Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Liedeke, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Liedeke. And I'm your self-publishing insider, Carice Crow, novelist and speaker. We made the call and you all answered. We got a good number of submissions for our call for first page review. So we are going to do that today. We're going to get through a couple submissions, uh, depending on how the timing ends up working out. Um, And the rules are, is we are going to read the first page aloud. This is a single page, double spaced, So it should go pretty quickly. So we're going to call out stop at the point where we would stop reading as a reader or an agent. I'm, of course, looking at this from an agent perspective. Carice is looking at it more from a craft reader perspective, yeah? Yeah. And then Carice and I are going to comment as to when we would have stopped reading um, and then any thoughts we have on the reading in general. We'll see if this works. This is an epic fantasy novel uh, submission. Wode stepped into his dimly lit hovel, the bucket of water sloshing onto the dirt floor. How is he? Wode asked, placing the bucket next to his son's bed. He stopped screaming, his wife replied, as she plunged a rag into the bucket of water. Physicer said he'd be by. Stop. Wode said numbly watching his wife take the rag out of the bucket and pat down the parts of his son that weren't burned. Half of Petra's face, patches across his chest and right arm, were bright red and oozing. Maybe he'll come back with something useful this time, fancy ass know-nothing prick, Cynthia cursed under her breath as she tried to squeeze water into Petra's mouth. I'll go watch for him, he mumbled as he stepped outside. Bode breathed deeply. The cold night air stung against his nostrils. He breathed in again, trying to get the smell of burnt flesh out. He scanned the horizon. Nothing but darkness. Part of him knew the physicer wasn't coming, and part of him hoped if he was, he wouldn't get here in time. Maybe it, would be, maybe it would be best if Petra passed away. Life's cruel enough as it is. Even if he survived this night and the next, and his wounds healed, what life would there be for him? Will he be able to take the herd out to Whistlewind to graze? Would Petra be able to take a wife, have kids and grow old? Hell, would he even be able to feed himself again? It would be a small mercy if the silent gods came and took him tonight. A light appeared on the horizon. Wode stood up from the bench and strained his eyes to see who was approaching. The light swung from side to side as it moved toward the house. Someone was running up the path with a lantern. Physicer, that you? Wode called out. Is is the boy still alive? Physicer Davis yelled back, stumbling over the hard earth. Last I checked, the physicer reached the stoop of Wode's hovel, gasping for breath. You come back with more solve for the burns? Something else to try? Asked Wode. No, he panted. No more solve. Then what in the hells are you doing running up here yelling? Couldn't let us be? The magister of Kestrel's on his way. What's a magister doing in Sheepstead? Wode asked, shocked. Came up from Garrett's Ford this evening. He'll save Petra. End of submission. So I think I have a pretty good idea of what made you say stop. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is an issue with fantasy Mm -hmm. where, yes, there's a certain, especially in epic fantasy, there's a certain level of old language and old names that help put us into the setting. 
but there's also a point where um, it's actually just distracting or it's mm-hmm. too different. We can't imagine it or it's so different that we can't remember what it is. That is what happened. Like I was reading and Wode is spelled W-H-O-A-D, physicer, P-H-Y-S-I-C-E-R. And I just like was thinking, am I pronouncing these correctly? Is this the right? Like it just felt like too much confusion for the names. Um, so that's what got to me. And when you're reading through manuscripts and you've got so much that you're that you've got to review, it can be something as simple as that that makes you want to stop reading. Um, but as the submission went on, there were I noticed there were other problems that I would have taken into account to like solidify my decision. Right. Yeah, I very, very nearly stopped you. And this is going to sound silly, but it's something that I am, I try to be militant about in my writing. I nearly stopped you at the fourth use of the word bucket, mm-hmm. because that was also on the fourth line. Each, like every, each of the first four lines had the word bucket in it. And for me, like when you have like an object like that, that's in the room that you're using, if it's the only object, say, you know, it is, it's a bucket of water. And there's other ways of talking about it um, besides using the same word Mm -hmm. repeatedly. So I think that's just a, a craft thing for me that drives me nuts when I'm reading. But what did stop me was Part of him knew the physicist wasn't coming and part of him hoped if he was, he wouldn't get here in time. Maybe it would be best if Petra passed away. Life is cruel enough as it is, even if he survived this night and the next. No, we are, we're doing, so we're kind of info dumping. So I, I see what the author is going for here, that Petra is obviously gravely wounded to the point that Petra may not even have a life worth living, even if they did survive. And so that's something that doesn't need to be here and doesn't actually need to come all from one character. That can come from the physicist. That can come from their interaction. Um, So rather than this kind of, you know, is he alive? Last I checked, you come back with more. instead of this quick back and forth dialogue that's not really saying a whole lot, um, you know, the physicist can come and say, I don't have any more salve. Are you sure you even want him to survive? Do you know what kind of life he's gonna lead? Like we can turn info dumping into dialogue. Mm -hmm. And then that tells us something about the characters because if, it, if it's just a simple sentence, if it's just a sentence that relays information, we don't learn anything about the character. Yes, I think that would be a great solve for this. I feel like we weren't, weren't really given a reason to know what to root for. And not that you have to do that in page one, but you gotta do it pretty soon. Right. Um, and to know, like, do we even like this main character? Because right now he's not fully likable. No, he's not likable at all to me. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I also would, I, I what I do like is that the author is trying to jump into the action and give us something to care about. I think that is great. And you've got great, like a great bones of a scene here. Yep. But what I also want to see is this physicist 
which if that's, I don't know how, if that's how you pronounce it, but this character seems fascinating to me and I would like to know what he looks like, what he smells like, what mm-hmm. he sounds like, mm-hmm. like set the scene. We know nothing about this hovel and we hear names of locations, but I don't, I don't know if we're in, I, I know this is an epic fantasy, but like, I don't right. know if we're in. A hovel could be carved out of a cliffside. Yeah. A hovel could be thatch and wood. A hovel could be mud. A hovel, a hovel is, is many a home. The world building could be more complete with this to really then right. draw the reader in. Yeah. Because I think if you put yourself into the main character's perspective, you're standing, let's say on a road, it's dark and you see a lantern swinging side to side. That's not all you see. Yeah. You would also see, you'd see the ground, but we don't care about the ground. You would see this person's shoes. You would see the, whatever, are they wearing pants? Are they wearing a robe? Does the light reach the very bottom of a long gray beard? Like we can, we can start teasing this and start filling in some of those details without, you know, we don't have to give a full head to toe description if that's physically what the characters can't see, but we can definitely, we can definitely do more. All right. So that was that first page review. Again, lots of good things that this author has to work with. I yeah, think it just absolutely. needs to be continued to be refined and brought out more. So thank you, writer who submitted this. I'm not going to say your name because we promise to keep things anonymous, but thank you so much for putting yourself out there and being willing to be critiqued on air. I'm sure people learned so much and I hope that we gave you good advice to help you really bring that scene to life. Yes, thank you. Next submission is a somewhat literary psychological horror is what the author said. All right. Chapter one, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Friday, September 28, 2012. Eric Koss is in the ED again. She said it with contempt, Jen, the social worker, as if coerced into an immoral act, a failure of the system. All are culpable, society undone and all its victims, because that's what they do. They, them, with their entitlement, their dysfunction, holding us hostage. Give me what I want or I'll kill myself. Such power. Then God, let them do it. Especially Eric Koss, crazy borderline fuck. How sad to be a borderline fuck, how painful. If this was Boston, she thought, he'd be hospital hopping, but on the seacoast, stop. There's only us, lucky us. Not that he isn't ill. They're all ill. They're all broken. She knew this as a LCSW, what she'd dreamed of becoming since a little girl, to help people. Ten years in the field hadn't robbed her of that, despite a mountain of student loans she struggled to repay. But these jerks, entitled, nasty, and narcissistic, as if their trauma is a pass, men mostly, They belong in jail. Just because you have a mental illness doesn't mean you don't belong in jail. Not when so many other people really want help, but she'll evaluate him again. Will someone please get this psych patient out of my ED? The doctors scream and she'll do her job and they'll most likely admit him. And she's an accomplice, a huff no one would notice. Who gives a shit about mental health patients? Christ, they don't give a shit about themselves. Not till some crisis and they want, and they're always in crisis, none more than Eric Koss end of submission. I will say we have a natural writer on our hands <laughs> with this Absolutely. One. Absolutely. That was fantastic. Um, so yes, clearly 
this author has a perspective, a point of view, a voice yeah. on the page, right? I think what maybe our listeners couldn't, obviously they couldn't see, is how this was really just like one big paragraph. Mm-hmm. And that's why I stopped. Re- that's why I said stop, right. because it became too much to untangle. And I feel like the author just needed more time shaping the paragraphs and the the italics from the ellipses. Yeah. Um, so this will be hard for the reader to to grasp, but I'm going over it. And like the ellipses that we're seeing, um, there are like the give me what I want or I'll kill myself. That's dialogue, but it's in the middle of the paragraph. Um, They are definite intentional choices. So yeah, like I I get where you're coming from, where the issue with this one is absolutely not the writing. The writing sings and is beautiful and it made me feel things. And I hope that this nurse is getting murdered in the near future. that would be my personal hope for this. She's put on a crazy but, journey that changes her. Right. Yeah. It, it completely. That would be great. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think, yeah, the punctuation is not what the final punctuation needs to be. But at the same time, I wouldn't want this author to lose the full spirit of what they were going for either. I think it's just that the way that they're currently executing it Mm -hmm. needs to change a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think we, they need to find ways of breaking it up Mm -hmm. and making it a little more clear um, when we are in, when we are in the character's head. Yes. And when there's other things going on. Yes. Because you picked it up right away. So like me listening to it, like I was fully on board. I was not confused at all, but I had to work really hard at reading that. Right. If I was just quietly reading this to myself, I think there probably would have been some points where strictly because of the punctuation, um, I would have had to go back and go, wait, what? Yeah. I had to work too hard at reading that. And that's probably why I immediately made the decision that I made. Right. Because I was having to fill in the blanks that I feel like the author should have given me. Like, you know, punctuation right. is a roadmap. And right. I was having to, on a whim, try to figure out what is in her head versus what's being said in real life around her versus what's just a random narration about the situation. And you've got all of these conflicting things like quotes in the middle of the paragraph with italics and it doesn't, it's not consistent. Like sometimes it's italicized and sometimes it's not. And maybe that's intentional, but I think then we need some kind of, it needs to be presented to us in a way that lets us know how at least to read it. So we can get to that first inciting incident without simply closing the book and th- and saying, I'm too dumb to read this because that's usually like, <laughs> right. I think about when I read David Foster Wallace and that's usually my, my takeaway is like, I'm just too dumb for this. I don't have the brain capacity right now. And so I close the book and step away. So for this writer, if you have more in this project, like if this is a done book, I would strongly encourage you to seek out 
an editor, Mm -hmm. not even for the whole book. What you need is an editor who can sit down with you for the first couple chapters and help you carve out a better punctuation roadmap, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not like, you know, what we would normally call standard, it doesn't necessarily have to fit the standard. It just has to be consistent with itself. And an editor will help you develop something like that. So Mm -hmm. I think that would be well worth your time and your money. Uh, And if you can find somebody who's worked with literary fiction at all, that would be great because they'll, it's a different headspace, man. It is. Um, But no, the writing itself is wonderful. We just need it we just need it in a different package. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I think immediately, like, I'm interested in this Jen person. Yeah. I'm I want to have Amanda read the audiobook. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me. It's pulling me in. I think one of the other things that this author really succeeded at was making us care in a very non-traditional way. You know, we've all heard of like, save the cat where you have the main character save another character that's utterly helpless, like a cat, and then we'll like them. I, I don't necessarily like this nurse, <laughs> that's for sure, but I'm invested. I'm very invested in finding yeah. out like what happens to her and also what is going to happen to Eric Koss. Yeah, who is this Eric you know, Koss character? Who is this that's... poor guy who has mental health issues and needs help and is being met with this nurse who's like, they all belong in jail. It's, it's, if our job as writers is to just make people feel things, you nailed it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Gatecrashers podcast. If you found value in this episode or in any of the episodes we've done, you can drop a tip in our tip jar. Simply use our link, paypal.me slash gatecrashers, or log into PayPal and search us using our username, which is at gatecrashers. And be sure to be here next week for a brand new episode.